step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. Five fans, and this is the two minute round. Your hooks and jazz look at the female fight world episode number 40 here on Block Talk Radio. My name is Felipe Leon, and as always, my co host, my friend David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Very good, Felipe. How are you? Good, good. So, we took a little bit of a hiatus, uh, we took one extra week from coming back. Usually we take two weeks between shows, but there were some prior engagements that we had last week, so we weren't able to come on. But that's not an issue because we do have some news. We have the fight results for the last couple of weeks or since the beginning of the year, which wasn't much. There hasn't been a lot of female boxing yet, but it is gearing up for the rest of the year. And then also we have the upcoming continent, which is not too busy in the next couple of weeks. But like I mentioned, there has been some some happenings in the female fight world. And today we are going to have a special guest in undefeated Los Angeles-based fighter, Seniese Estrada, who is going to talk to us all about her recent signing with Golden Boy Promotions and what is coming up for her in the future in 2018 in her boxing career here on the Two Minute Round. If you would like to give us a call and talk female boxing with us, you can do so at 323-580-5735. Again, the number is 323-580-5735. Or if you're listening to us through the Block Talk app or, or um, website, there should be a button there that if you have your uh, Skype uh, set up on your laptop or on your computer, you could go ahead and just press the button. It will connect you directly here to us at the two-minute round uh, episode number 40. So, with that said, let's go on in and get into a little bit of the fight results starting on Friday, January 12th. And even though there hasn't been a lot of fights, it's been a big one from the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York. Salida Promotions gave us on Showtime. It was actually the main event of a triple header on a Friday night on the Showtime channel. And it was the first broadcast uh, fight card from the network. In 2018, we saw Clarissa Shields score unanimous, easy dominating decision over the previously undefeated Tory Nelson in a scheduled 10-rounder. In the fight, Shields went to 5-0 with two knockouts, and she defended her WBC and IBF 168-pound titles. The scores were 193 times. And, David, what are your thoughts on this performance by uh, Clarissa Shields? Obviously, you know, in her fashion, she spoke a lot 
a lot be- uh, before the fight, mentioning that, you know, there was no reason why a 41-year-old lady should be in the same uh, ring with her. It's actually a grandmother. Tori Nelson is actually a grandmother at 41 years old. But nevertheless, Tori Nelson actually went the full distance with Clarissa Shields. You know, Clarissa dominated and won every one of the rounds. Tori Nelson never really looked hurt. She never looked like she was uh, too bothered by the power of Clarissa Shields, but it does seem like the speed did make do a, uh, it was a factor uh, in the fight. What were your thoughts, uh, David? Well, well, I wasn't surprised that it went the distance because uh, uh, Clarissa is a great fighter, great speed, great skills, but she still doesn't really know how to fight the first style yet. She'll learn. She doesn't know that she needs to learn it. But she, she, she needs to learn how to set up a knockout. She just overwhelms people with speed. And you can't necessarily knock out somebody just by overwhelming them by speed uh, alone. I mean, there's lots of fighters with tremendous speed that didn't knock out people like uh, the late great Howard Davis, one of the fastest fighters I ever saw, but he rarely knocked out a guy. And that's mm-hmm. what's happening with her. Now, She's overwhelming now, people with speed, but not setting them up to knock them out. Yeah. Now, one thing that the, her corner started uh, giving her the instruction, mostly in the second half of the fight, was to kind of step it up a bit. She kind of step up, press a little bit the gas, and maybe with a little bit more aggressiveness and a little bit more punch output from Clarissa, she probably would have scored the, the stoppage, you know, having the uh, referee jump in there and just stop it because Tori Nelson really wasn't doing much in return. I mean, she was throwing punches that weren't coming in at a, at a high clip. It was, there wasn't enough. Mostly she was just there surviving. So Clarissa's corner, uh, probably rightly so, believed that if she kind of stepped it up a little bit and became more aggressive and threw a little bit more punches during a round, that she could possibly score a stoppage win and not necessarily a, a knockout or a knockdown. But Clarissa didn't end up doing that. You know, I think she might have been a little bit worried. She probably saw that Nelson was durable, and she probably was a little bit worried of going to the 10 rounds because it's not something that she has done so uh, before. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think she, she didn't want to spend all her bullets trying to knock her out and then be uh, uh, there for he, for the return fire. And in a way, I mean, Tori Nelson, is, she was undefeated. She wasn't just a poor he was when you're a woman with no fights. She was an undefeated fighter with, with 20 fights, and she, she, she had some power, too. She just didn't have the speed to match uh, Clarissa. Mm-hmm. Now, the other fight that was being talked about for the same fight card but ended up not happening. We actually hinted at it on our last show, but we didn't actually have confirmation. And the confirmation actually came the week of the fight was the Christina Hammer fight against Lisa Garland, which was going to mark Christina Hammer's first fight in the United States, the 160-pound WBO and WBC champion, who, if you follow female boxing, would know that, you know, she's being tutored as a possible opponent, if not a pretty much done deal as a future opponent in 2018 for Clarissa Shields. But the same week of the fight, uh, actually Christina Hammer herself revealed that she was not able to secure 
a work visa to be able to come into the United States and, and fight, you know, uh, that is the one thing that you do need when you are a fighter from a different country coming into the United States. And she is from uh, originally from Kazakhstan for fighting out of Germany. And she needed a work visa to be able to fight in the United States because she has to pay taxes because uh, she is going to get paid. But for whatever reason, she wasn't able to secure it in time. And the fight ended up not happening. Now, she didn't mention she was interviewed by Showtime. She was there. She was um, present at the fight, and she was interviewed by, I believe, Steve Farhood of Showtime, and she didn't mention that she might be making her pro debut, well, actually, sorry, her United States debut in March. So we'll see if that actually comes into fruition where Christina Hammer does make a U.S. debut, although I do follow her on social network, and she is training. She trains every day, or at least she posts pictures, uh, stating that she's training, but uh, unfortunately she was not able to perform on January 12th, David. Yeah, yeah, and she's a you know very good fighter. She's going to provide more speed to match uh, Clarissa. She's not as fast as Clarissa, but she has. She's a tall fighter. She knows how to use the height, but uh, it's still going to be a battle uh, for her to to be able to stay with uh, Clarissa. But that it. it should be the best fight that Clarissa's had so far. Mm-hmm. Now, Clarissa didn't, she after in her post-fight interview, she didn't mention that the fight against Hammer was going to be next. I think that rightfully so, she wants to get down to the 160-pound limit and kind of test the waters there before she jumps in with the world champion. So we'll see who they end up um, facing her at 160 pounds. Or or if they face a full-fledged 160-pounder, maybe they'll bring somebody up from the 154-pound division and just want to see Clarissa perform at 160 pounds because she would be dropping some weight. I mean, she weighs in at 167, 168 pounds when she fights a super middleweight, and I would assume that she goes up a little bit above that uh, come fight night. So for her to drop uh, eight pounds... You know, it is. I don't think it's a big of a challenge, but it is going to, you know, it's going to be a little bit of work. So we'll see what they end up doing um, regarding that. Also on the same card, something of a late addition to that fight card from the Turning Store Resort and Casino on January 12th. It wasn't televised, but Franchon Cruz, who was Clarissa Shield's first opponent in her first pro fight, and a standout amateur in her own right, uh, ended up signing with Salida Promotions, Dimitri Salida, the former fighter who is now a promoter out of Detroit, Michigan, and ended up signing with that promotional company, and she got her first fight under that banner, going a unanimous decision over Tiffany Woodward in a six-rounder, also 168 pounds. So the scores there were 59-54 two times and 59-53, so basically Cruz dominated that fight against Tiffany Woodward. What do you think about that signing, David, and and, you know, there were a couple of signings that were announced almost back-to-back. I mean, Fanchon Cruz signing to Salida Promotions and actually our guest who should be with us hopefully in about five to seven minutes, Sinez Estrada, who ended up signing with uh, Golden Boy Promotions. Yeah, I thought it was a great signing. I mean, here was a girl that gave Chris a very best fight in her very first fight for both. And uh, I was at that fight, and they really, that was the best fight of the night. And that was during the Andre Ward uh, 
Sergey Kovalev fight card. And, uh, but that was, in my estimation, the best fight of the night because they did not waste uh-huh. a second. They really went at it. And, uh, I mean, Sanchan was there from the, from the beginning to the end. Never wavered. It's just she was out fighting. And um, it was a good signing. I think that Cruz is going to – I think right now, Cruz will win a world title. He's going to win one. No doubt once, once Hammer leaves – you think that once – I mean, not Hammer. Once Shields leaves the, uh, the super middleweight division, you think Cruz is going to be able to rule that division? I think so. I really do. I think she has a talent. Yeah, I, I, yeah she's good. She's she just not – She's a good fighter. She's probably just not as good as Clarissa Shields, but she is a good fighter. And I agree with you. Once, um, once uh, Clarissa Shields decides to drop down to 160, we might see Cruz going for a world title at Super Manaway. Now, moving on to Saturday, January 20th, 20th from Belgium, the good news is, is that 135-pound WBC champion Delphine Persoon is back in a boxing ring. Um, not too long ago, she had mentioned that she might be contemplating retirement because of an injury to one of her hands, and she uh, went into surgery to correct the issue, uh, but it wasn't known by her or her team if she was going to be able to come back. Well, now she knows because she did come back on January 20th in an eight-rounder against Monica Gentili and Delphine Persoon, considered one of the best fighters in the world, scored an easy unanimous decision uh, with scores of 80-72 two times in 80-71. So she basically dominated that fight against uh, an unknown Monica Gentili. But it was obviously a Keith fight and a fight to see where she's at regarding her hand. And it looks like everything's good. So hopefully later on this year we can see her in more important fights at her weight level, at her weight limit, 135 pounds, with, you know, a Katie Taylor or uh, uh, Michaela Mayer uh, at one point. If that happens in 2018, I wouldn't mind it if it happened in 2019. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's right across the shore. I mean, she's just across the English Channel. And uh, that's a fact that people are talking about in Europe. Um, Katie Taylor and Delphine Pursun. Uh, it's a good match. Uh, Pursun is strictly a boxer. She's not a knockout artist or anything like that. And, and truthfully... Katie Taylor is not really a knockout artist either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a, yeah. that's a good matchup. That's just uh, that is a good fight. about ready to explain. And now the, yeah. the other uh, belt holders at Lightweight, we have uh, Argentina's uh, Victoria Noelia Bustos, who holds the IBF title. And then we have uh, the, uh, the recently crowned Rose Volante from Brazil, who just captured the WBO 135-pound title. And lastly, in our fight results, also on Saturday, January 20th, is past Saturday, from France, we saw Maiva Hamadou score a majority decision over Miriam Delal to defend her IPF 130-pound title. The scores were 97-93 two times and an even 95-95. I don't know if you had a chance to watch this fight, David, but I don't think yeah. it was that close. I think Hamadou uh, won quite handedly. I mean, Miriam Delal was game. She was throwing punches. But Hamadouj, like we had mentioned about her before um, in a previous a previous one of her fights, she's just nonstop. I mean, she's just – she's short, but she just gets right in the pocket and just throws punches and just doesn't stop. I mean, it doesn't look like she had a lot of power 
behind those punches, but she just yeah. doesn't stop throwing them. So I mm-hmm. think that she controlled that fight and uh, and d- d- deserved the unanimous decision. Yeah, what, what she does is she comes in with her head, too, so you're worrying about three things. Her <laughs> toothpaste and her head. Yeah. So it's, unless you're, you're ready for it, that, she's a handful. Yeah, so we'll see what happens to the 130 pounds. And we have some news regarding that division a little bit later in the show, but the uh, the junior lightweight or super featherweight division is quite packed with WBA champion Kim Mew Child from South Korea, uh, the WBC is Eva Wangstrom in Finland, that already mentioned Myra Hamadouche in France, and then we have uh, two world champions in the WBO. We have an interim champion in Ewa Brodnika, and then Ramona Kueni in Germany. Uh, those are the champs, but we do have some more news regarding that uh, that division later on in the show. But now with us is our special guest, uh, undefeated junior flyweight from Los Angeles, Senez Estrada. So let me bring her on the line here. Hello, Senez, is this you? Hi, I'm here. Hi, guys. Hi, Senez. So uh, thank you for joining us here on the on the two-minute round, and with us now is the undefeated junior flyweight Inez Estrada, which is recently signed to Golden Boy Promotions. So uh, with that said, I'm going to pass the baton to my co-host, David Avila. David? Well, hi, uh, Sunisa, and, and congratulations. I know that it means a lot to you to, to finally sign with a, a major promotion company. What was it like? I, I, I was watching the show when you came on, uh, Tattoo and the Crew's uh, a radio show, and, and they had it also on, on television. Um, what was it like uh, for them to bring you that contract right then and there? Were you ready for it? Oh, man. Um, well, thank you, first of all. And, no, I mean, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't really expecting it um, to happen like that. And, like, I guess it just all became, like, so real, just having Robert there, you know, handing me the contract. And, saying, you know, we're ready ready to go and ready to, to sign you. And, um, yeah, it was definitely a big day for me. It's um, I feel like now, like, this is the actual, like, start of my pro career. Um, and I feel like this is where I need to work even harder and I'm even more motivated than I have ever been. And, um, and yeah, I, I'm just I'm thankful for Golden Boy Promotions for, you know, giving me this opportunity. And um, my, my contract is great and I can't be any happier. So I just can't wait to have my first fight with them this year, and I'm excited, very excited. So, for those that don't know uh, Shanisha Strata's uh, history, she's been fighting for a long time, uh, for over uh, yeah, 15 it's years. Yeah, it's been 18 years, it, yeah. 18 years. Uh, and, and it's funny because she's like she's like a legend in Los Angeles. People know about her. They, I mean, she was actually in the LA Times. They, they did several articles on uh, Shanisha Strata. Tanisha, what was it like when, when you were approached by the LA Times when, when you were, what, about 15 or 16? Um, I was actually approached by them when I was about 10 years old. And the writer, oh, Kurt geez. Streeter, who wrote for the LA Times, he came into the gym, Hollenbeck Youth Center, where I first started, and he was he had to write a story on, like, the next Golden Boy, the next Oscar de la Hoya. That's what, you know, they want, that's what the LA Times wanted him to find, and that's what they wanted him to write about. So then he ended up seeing me in the gym and talk, was talking to me, talking to my dad. And he was just really, like, intrigued and very interested in, in, in not only, you know, 
my background, but also my dad's and how I started boxing and stuff. So from it going to um, a small little column, he ended up following me around for three years, uh, was literally going to school with me, sitting in class with me, like <laughs> doing everything with me. It was so weird to have this guy with this tuxedo on following me around at school. People were like, like, who is he? So that went on for three years, um, and it ended up being a five-day front-page article in the LA Times, um, and that came out when I was about 13. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was great because it was a story that you know just told struggle. It was just very real. So I'm glad that a lot of people were able to relate to it. Yeah, it's funny because back then. Female fighters rarely got any kind of coverage. And here uh, you were getting uh, front-page coverage from the LA Times about people, and it's one of the biggest newspapers in the country. And you had uh, even had pictures. I mean, had a lot of pictures of your family and you and your dad and mm-hmm. you in the in the boxing ring. And uh, what was it like? Uh, what did the other boxers tell you when when you're getting all this coverage? What was it like? Um, it was it was crazy because you're right. Like there wasn't a lot of female fighters fighting back then. Like there's a lot more now, but back then, like there wasn't many. And besides, like the Alley Times, like I've done a bunch of different documentaries when I was younger, and like had cameras following me around. And it was just for me, it was kind of weird. Like I I didn't like the attention and stuff, and I don't know. I just I'm just like a humble person, so like the whole attention with all the cameras and stuff was kind of weird for me. Um, but, yeah, people, I mean, my team around me and people around me were super supportive. They know how hard I worked, and um, everyone in the amateurs, they, they, they knew, like, um, they, you know, they knew how, how good I was and how I worked hard, and I deserved all the exposure that I was getting. And a lot of people have not seen your style. I mean, because a lot, well, female boxing as a whole is not shown on TV a lot, so... Most people mm-hmm. are not familiar with your style. They know you're undefeated, but most people, unless they see you in person, do not know your boxing style. And it's not, you know, it's not the regular orthodox style of fighting. When did you develop your style? When did you first uh, come to that style that you have now? Um, I think, I don't know. I think it's it started from a very young age. Um, I would do a lot of unorthodox things when I was little and I would do things that were not normally by the book and just stuff that was just just different. I think I was very creative and I watched a lot of Gribo Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard and Roy Jones Jr. growing up and I studied their fights and I wanted to be just like them and um, I think I just picked up a lot of different things from different fighters and um, I feel like I'm just like naturally um, athletic and, and good with my feet. So um, through the years with like experience and, and my dad coaching me and then my trainer who I have now, um, I think it's just, um, I don't know, just something that I've I've had in me for a very long time. And now being with my trainer, uh, Team Combos, he just, you know, just adds a lot more structure to everything that I do. So it definitely helps a lot with my style. How long, how long has Dean Compton been your trainer? 
Uh, he's been my trainer for going on 10 years now. Oh, okay. Well, a lot of people don't know, but Dean Compos is also the trainer for Sergio, uh, the Latin Sick Moore, who was the winner of the first contender and then later won the uh, world title. And um, Sinisa's style is very similar to Sergio's. Not exact, but kind of similar. And, and maybe could you attribute that to Dean? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I do a lot of things that Sergio does. Um, Sergio is like, like what Dean has is just like a, a, a system of how to do things. And um, I would like to say like Sergio um, and I, like what Dean teaches, like we can we can fight on the inside, we can fight on the outside. Um, Dean just likes to have an answer to anything like an opponent will bring and what Dean likes us to be able to do is just be able to figure out our opponents, and um, and yeah, that that's um, that's definitely what Dean loves to do and, and teaches. So um, yeah, uh, I have a lot of similar things that Sergio does as well because of that. One thing, another thing about you is that you you love the spars, you love to be in the boxing ring. I mean, who's the heaviest girl that you've ever sparred? Because I I know I've seen you personally. Against girls much bigger than you. I'm sorry. Would you say who's the heaviest? Yeah, the heaviest uh, uh, sparring uh, partner. Oh, the heaviest man. Um, (laughs) I've had a lot of heavy. Like, man, I think probably I've sparred people who were like 30 pounds heavier than me. I've been sparring and fighting um, people who have been heavier than me since I was seven years old. Um, I mean, it's tough to get sparring for girls, of course, and um, I, I spar with whoever I can, even if someone is bigger and heavier. And um, also my fights, I've fought at one, I fought at 108 pounds, I think like three times out of my 11 fights. And besides that, it's been like 110, 112, and then sometimes like 113, and that's like way out of the weight class I should be fighting, I should be, like, at 108 pounds every single fight. But, of course, it's difficult, especially not having a promoter. Like, we can't – my team and I, like, can't afford to get the girls at the weight class that we want. So I have to just take whatever they give me. So fighting heavier girls is what I've what I've been doing. But, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, but hopefully now being with a promoter, I'll be able to – Get the opponents and weight that I want, so that'll be a lot better. Yeah, I know. I I know a lot of people are excited when you sign with Golemore because they already have another life flyweight than Marlon Sparza. Was that another uh, added uh, ingredient to you uh, uh, signing with Golemore? Uh, the fact that you can you have Marlon right in your sights and vice versa. Yeah. Um... It's definitely a fight that I want. I know it's a fight that um, Golden Boy wants for me and for her. And I know the fight will happen eventually, maybe within, who knows, like maybe a year from now. I'm not sure exactly when. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a fight that I want, and I know it's going to happen. But right now I'm just focused on this year ahead of me and the fights that I have ahead of me because there's a lot of other good fighters on my weight class. So, um, yeah, I'm just focused on, on my other opponents for now. And, and Golden Boys, they have ESPN too. So is that is that another exciting ingredient for you? The fact that they're going to be televised. 
Yes, definitely. I'm so excited about that. Um, so I will be televised. Um, I can't say my next the date of my next fight yet. I don't think I can say that, but um, it'll be soon, and I'll be able to announce it soon. So I'm excited, and um, what definitely makes me excited is the the ESPN and, and TV dates because you know I like women. We all deserve the exposure um, to fight on TV just like men do, and um, I'm excited. I, I've I've gained a big fan base in in my city just not being televised and not even having a promoter. So, um, you know, just imagine what I'll be able to do with a big promoter and fighting on TV, like, um, you know, sky's the, sky's the limit. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, one of the things about Sunita when she fights is she does bring hundreds of fans. It's, it's um, it's not common. I mean, especially when there's a big card. She's Tanisha uh, fought in cards and StubHub, uh, the forum, and each time she's brought hundreds of fans. And and it's one of the reasons that everybody is so willing to put you on the cards, even though they wouldn't sign you. They, they'll put right. you on the cards because they knew they were going to instantly sell with tickets. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I I love my fans. They definitely um, have been very supportive from the beginning. What about your dad? How, how does he feel about this? Is, is it oh, he's so to, happy. To be a little more <laughs> into it. He, he's super happy. He's so excited. Um, I mean, he, he's trained me since I was a kid, so I know him seeing me happy just makes him happy. And he just—I know he just—he's just excited for the future to see, you know, what's next. And uh, also, your friend Sir Demar. Has he been a part of this uh, this journey for you? I'm sorry, what was that? Has Has Sergio Mora been a part of this journey too? Oh yeah, definitely. Sergio's been so supportive since I was a kid, and he's always just motivated me and told me to just keep working hard. And um, he just always wants the best for me. So um, yeah, Sergio's super happy as well, and um. And yeah, he's uh he's been very supportive, so I appreciate that. What what are your goals for this year? Is it if there was a a, a wish list of fighters who would like to fight, who would they be? Who would the first three be? Um, off the top of my head, I I don't know. I can't pick like three that I would like to fight, but I mean, I want to fight the best for sure, and I want to fight whoever has titles out there and and yeah but but this year um I'm just I just want to continue to just impress and look good and and put on great fights especially being on on ESPN um I just want to gain gain more fans and um have people be excited and entertained when they watch me fight and um and yeah of course I I'm always up to fight the best and fight all the champions in my weight class, so that's definitely something that I'm looking forward to. When um, when when your next fight comes up, uh, it's probably going to be on, well, probably be, be uh, televised by ESPN or Ring TV Live. One way or the other, it's going to be televised. Um, what has the what has Golden Boy told you to expect um, in terms of um, 
of uh, busyness. Uh, are they going to have they said they're going to give you two or three fights a year, or has there been some um, kind of number mentioned? Yeah, I'll be fighting uh, four to five times a year. So um, oh, definitely wow, four. That's great. And if I can do a wow. fifth, then um, I'll be able to do a fifth. So yeah, I'm excited because when like it's like the opposite now because I should have been busy and active from when I turned pro all the way up to my 11th fight, but it wasn't like that because you know it's not easy not having a promoter. Um, so um, so yeah, so now being 11 and 0, now I'll be active and um, I'm excited about that. I just I just can't wait because I'll fight every month if I could. <laughs> hey, Felicia, did you have some questions you wanted to ask? Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Felisa, I'm going to be asking you. My name is Felipe. I'll be asking you some questions now. Okay. Okay, sorry. Um, so you didn't have a promoter before signing with Golden Boy, but the one promoter that you had actually fought a, a number of times with was with K2 and Tom Loeffler, uh, promote, well, Tom Loeffler heading up K2, you know, you fought on, on Superfly, the first edition, and you fought back in, uh, at the forum with Kennedy Golovkin, and uh, uh, Gonzalez on the car, and a couple other times. Also, I thought it was rumored that you were going to fight on the next Superfly edition at the forum uh, at the end of February. So, with that said, did you or your team have a conversation with Tom Loeffler and mentioned to him that you guys were signing with Golden Boy or just something that you guys didn't need to do? Yeah, um, I was going to fight on the Superfly 2 card. Um, but right before that, I mean, right before um, right before we were going to get that going, I found out that I was officially going to be signed by Golden Boy. So, I called Tom Loeffler myself, and I told him, Tom, I just wanted to let you know that um, we it looks like we're going to be signing with Golden Boy Promotions. Um, we like the deal, um, and it's something that we that my team and I definitely uh, want to do. So, you know, he just said, congratulations, I'm happy for you, and, and you deserve it, and, you know, I wish you nothing but the best. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I called him myself, and I told him, you know, thank you for everything. I really appreciate um, all the opportunities you've given me, and um, but we'll be signing with Golden Boy. So yeah, but Tom's awesome. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy. Yeah, he is. Um, now going back to, I know you can't mention your next date, and going back to the question that David asked, as far as how busy they're going to keep you, did they mention that your next fight was going to be featured one way or the other on ESPN, uh, maybe on the app? or even on as a swing bout for your first fight under their banner, or that didn't come up in the conversation? Um, yes, it did. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can say, like, anything about that. But, yeah, e- e- ESPN um, is definitely something that was talked about. Okay. Now, and I'm hoping that like, the next week I'll be able to say that. You're highly ranked by pretty much all the major organizations, WBC, the IBF, the WBA. Now, if you had your choice, which title would you be fighting for first? Um, I would say both fights be WBC. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I want all the bouts, so <laughs> I, it doesn't matter to me which one I'll be fighting first. For first, I just anyone's fine with me. 
Now you said that you you're, you're willing to fight all the champions, but has Golden Boy and you spoken about what the timetable would that be? When I mean you're you're ranked in the top ten, I would imagine by all the organizations. I know that you're ranked in the top at least five by the WBC. So for you to get a, a a title shot wouldn't be much of an issue. So have you and your team and Golden Boy talked about what the timetable will be for something like that? Um. We we haven't really spoke about that yet, but um, they know that I'm I'm ready for the title shots. So um, and my team and I are ready. So I would say within like a couple, few more fights, we'll be ready to ready to do that. Okay. Now my last question, um, you know, David mentioned outside. It's no secret if you follow female boxing and the social media that you, her and you, you and her. You know, we had a little bit of uh, talking, maybe maybe not you personally, because I've never seen you actually <laughs> say anything bad about anybody, but some people that were in your team or not in your team anymore, but they did were going back and forth with Marlene Esparza. So does that change anything now that you're signed to uh, Golden Boy Promotions and she's uh, on the same uh, promotion company as well? Um. Well... I mean, I know she says that she wants to fight me and she wants to fight me right now and whatever. Um, so, you know, her wish is going to come true, that's for sure. <laughs> so I'm ready. I'm ready anytime. <laughs> now, you guys have a history, you know, maybe not inside the ring, but, you know, there were times when as amateurs, she's a highly decorated amateur. You're a highly decorated amateur. There were times that you guys were in the same tournaments but never faced each other. Um, she has her reasons why she says you guys never face. You might have yours. So when did all that start, that whole, uh, you know, thing about her wanting to, wanting to face her? When did all that start? Honestly, I have I have no idea. Like, I, I don't know where it came from. Maybe somebody who, who doesn't like me went and said some stuff that wasn't true and spread rumors. I mean... Everyone in boxing talks and spreads rumors, so I don't know. But um, I think, like, I think, I don't know. Honestly, I just think she just, she sees the the competition and she doesn't like it, and it scares her. I mean, if I if I wasn't a threat, then she wouldn't care to say anything bad about me. But as soon as my name is mentioned, it seems like she has a problem with it, so. But, um. And it's quite interesting I'm not, now I'm that, not worried about it. you know, yeah. Quite interesting now that, um, you know, the one fighter that she has, I've never seen her talk about anybody else but you, and the one fighter that she has an issue with now ends up, you know, in a sense being under the same promotional company. So that's, that's pretty interesting. I may mean, see other fighters call her out, but I've never seen her call anybody out but, but you. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't heard her call anybody else out but um <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know well then hopefully you know like you said i mean she's gonna get a wish because one way or the other you guys are gonna have to face each other either at a at 110 pounds or 112 pounds because it doesn't seem like she gets anywhere uh, less than 110 pounds so hopefully we see that fight right. sometime in the future david do you have any uh, other questions um, yeah, I wanted to, to ask her um, about uh, 
her, um, her last fight. Her last fight that um, I need to go back because we're already, we're already in the future right now. But but in the last fight, it seemed like you were the most comfortable. And uh, it, it actually looked like you were having fun. I, I don't know if you were having fun, but, but you seemed so comfortable. It seemed yeah, like everything you, was coming effortless. It was. And you know, you know why? Because that was the first time that I fought. Okay, because I fought – I fought in June, then I fought in July, then I fought in September. So that September fight, um, I had fought twice back-to-back right before that. So I felt like no ring rust. I felt super comfortable. And that was the first time that I fought back-to-back like that and was that active um, because all my other fights, I'd have like seven-month layoffs in between, 11-month layoffs. Like, you know, it's horrible fighting like that. So – September, yeah, um, I, I definitely felt very comfortable in there and um, didn't feel rusty at all. And I just felt, um, yeah, I just felt overall just very comfortable. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it just looked like at that point you could fight anybody in the world. At that point, I said, oh, she's ready for anybody. And I'm sure your whole team felt like that, too, because that girl was a tough girl. <laughs> she was an, an easy Right. Yeah. I was watching, we were watching her fights and, um, every fight she like, she goes to war and, um, she hits her opponents a lot and it's just like a war, like every fight that she has. So, um, to be able to beat her so easily where I, I hardly got hit was like very surprising because we thought she was going to go out there and just throw more punches than she did. But I guess just my movement, and defense just didn't allow her to do that. So um, that was the game plan. That's what we're working on for that fight. Oh, that was a great fight. That was a good card, too. It's tough, Rob. Um, that's, a, that's the best place to have boxing. On a good day, of course, on a warm day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations, Anissa. I really, um, I, I really mean that uh, uh, wholeheartedly. It's been a Thank you, David. Great I appreciate it. So far. And Thank you. So far, you're only 25, 26? <laughs> yeah, 24. <laughs> 24. Oh, 24. 24. I'm adding age. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. With us, Senior Sala recently signed to Golden Boy Promotions, undefeated junior flyweight from Los Angeles, California. So we thank you, Sinisa, for being here with us on the two-minute round, your first time with us, and we appreciate it. And hopefully we get to speak to you again in the, in the future. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. And uh, anytime, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Have a good you. night. Bye. Good night. Well, there you have it. Uh, undefeated junior flyweight, very eloquent. Uh, she was not uh, worried about speaking about anything. And, you know, the one thing that that has been interesting has been this war of wars between not necessarily her, but it looked like it was somebody in her team that was, you know, going back and forth with Marlene Esparza. Marlene Esparza, is, uh, she, she has no problem, uh, uh, you know, expressing what's on her mind. And she, that's a definite fight that, that she wants is uh, Siniesta Estrada for whatever reason, for what happened in the amateurs or what didn't happen in the amateurs. And now hopefully they face each other as uh, professionals, David. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's an exciting matchup. Uh, uh, I think they're going to, 
marinated a little bit so they can get a bigger crowd out of it. And that might be the fight, you know, that that really uh, jumpstarts uh, female boxing this year in the West Coast, at least. Yeah. Oh, it, 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 we, we should have mentioned this at the top of the show, David, but I just remembered that today is the birthday of the none other but one of the most legendary Mexican fighters of recent times, Ana Maria Torres. She's been retired for quite some time. Her little sister just helped them uh, become uh, somewhat of a historic uh, pair by capturing the interim WBA title, uh, making them the first two, the first Mexican sisters to be world champions. But today is her birthday, and she turns uh, 30, 38. She's 38 years old, David. So um, Ana Maria oh. Torres, her birthday today, she has not fought since 2012. I don't necessarily see her coming ever back. But today she turned uh, 38 years old. So happy birthday to Ana Maria Torres, or better said, Feliz Cumpleaños. And let's get into a little bit of a female fight chatter, David, because there's been some news happening in the last couple of weeks in the female boxing window. There hasn't been a lot of action. There has been some news. And let me just read you something very interesting that just happened this week. Uh, we're in an interview with ESPN retired superstar Layla Ali, obviously the daughter of the late great the greatest, Muhammad Ali, had some disparaging remarks about Ronda Rousey and some interesting ones about Clarissa Shields. About Shields, Ali stated, and I quote, you got Clarissa Shields, now who is an Olympic champion. She's a young black girl out of Flint, Michigan, lived a hard life, went through a lot. She went to Olympics, won twice. Women's boxing wasn't in the Olympics when I fought. She actually fights in the weight class I fought in, and she's doing great. It's still not what I would have wanted. I would have wanted more because I have a big picture in my mind, but for her, that's great. I think that women's boxing is getting some good attention, so it's wonderful. So, David, you know, some interesting – well, first of all, what I found interesting is that actually a, a, a ESPN show, I think it was a morning show on ESPN, actually had her in studio and interviewed her. Layla Lee has been fought in 20 years probably. So I find that to be somewhat interesting. I mean, obviously, she's one of the biggest names in female boxing in the last 30 years. But then also the remarks she had about Shields where, um, you know, even though she praises her, it's kind of like a a backhand praise because even though she praises her, she basically says, well, that's great for her, but it's not what I would have been happy with. So what do you get from those comments from uh, Leila? (laughs) Oh. I don't know. You know, it's kind of confusing uh, to me, too. I know that uh, Clarissa Shields doesn't take it very well, either, according to her social media. Uh, she kind of saw yes. Layla throwing shade at her. <laughs> it actually yeah, well, let me, let, me read you, uh, let me read you what Clarissa Shields stated on Twitter. Um, she said, and I quote, I decided to, she, she was told that, that Layla Ali was on the show. She went out and found the show, and then she said, I decided to go and give it a listen. And honestly, to me, there was no disrespect and shade. And my thing is, only take. And my thing is, it only takes a phone call to rumble. Well, <laughs> as far as Layla Lee getting in the ring with Clarissa Shields, I don't see that happening. I mean, she's got to be at least forty yeah. years old, right? Uh, no, she's got to be oh, yeah, 40, 40. 45 years old. Yeah. What's that? Uh, she's in the forties, I think. Maybe forty. Yeah, yeah mid-40s. And she hasn't fought in, in, in years and years. So that's not going to happen. And 
but it's but I find it kind of funny. It's kind of amusing that Clarissa, like, you know, she doesn't, want, you know, she just wants to fight and she wants to. Twenty-four and 0, 21 knockouts was Leila Lee's uh, record. She has not fought since two thousand and seven, so it's been about eleven years. And she was born. She's forty. She's gonna turn forty-one this year. She just turned forty years old uh, last year. So, I mean, we did see a forty-one-year-old in the ring with her in the last in her last fight uh, with Clarissa Shields, which was Tori Nelson. But I mean, she's been active. She's been fighting. She's probably done all her fights since Leila Lee retired. So I don't see yeah. Leila Lee coming back in and, and challenging Clarissa Shields. No way, no how. Even though she is right, her last fight was at 168 pounds. She was a WBC super middleweight champion, one of the titles that that uh, Clarissa holds. So, you know, a little bit of back and forth between the daughter of the greatest, Leila Ali, and Clarissa Shields. I can see how she could take it as an insult. I didn't really see it that way. You know, basically Layla's saying, you know what, I'm shooting for bigger things, and rightfully so. She is the daughter of the most famous boxer to have ever lived, Muhammad Ali. So obviously she holds some of that fame as well. Now, in the next note, it was announced on Tuesday. This is quite interesting, David. It was announced on Tuesday in Mexico City that the WBC Diamond Flyweight Champion, and in my opinion, the active, the best Mexican fighter active actively fighting right now, Jessica Kika Chavez will be taking a hiatus mm-hmm. due to pregnancy, David. Who knew that Kika Chavez was pregnant? The title, this is oh. the interesting part, David. The title will be left vacant and Marisa Suleiman stated that when she's ready to come back, she will be able to challenge for the title immediately. So they named her a champion hiatus. Okay? That's the official title that they're giving her right now. Um, in recess, I'm sorry. So this is the part that I understand, David, and sometimes, and we've mentioned this on this show before, that sometimes these um, sanctioning bodies can't get out of their own way because even though Jessica Chavez is in recess, they have an interim champion in Nana Yoshikawa who captured the title not too long ago, actually about a little bit over a month ago. So why wouldn't they elevate her as a full-fledged champion or have her fight somebody else to become the full-fledged champion. Now, the rumor is, is that they're trying to make a fight between it's, uh, between um, Ben La Roca Zamora, who was the junior flyweight champion for the WBC for quite a, a while until Esmeralda Moreno beat her, and uh, mm-hmm. La Roca Zamora was looking to challenge Kika Chavez for the WBC flyweight title, even so that she joined the... Uh, she she was part of the, of the flyweight tournament, but she ended up losing in that tournament against Esmeralda Moreno in a junior flyweight ch- title uh, uh, title fight, which is confusing enough. But besides that, Zamora was still trying to get in the ring with Jessica Chavez to challenge for that flyweight title. It didn't happen. But now I believe that she is like the silver champion because she beat Isabel Millan. But um, they're looking to make a fight between her and Melissa McMorrow for the vacant title. Now, who would deserve this fight more, David? I mean, granted, La Roca Zamora, she's with the promoter that that promotes Kika Chavez. So, you know, sometimes it works that the promoter kind of wants to stay with their belt because that's the way they could get on TV. But, so yeah. granted, Ibel La Roca Zamora, also a two-time world champion in 105 pounds, 
and 108 pounds. So, and now the silver champion. So let's give her that. But why would Melissa McMorrow, who hasn't fought since October of 2016, deserve a shot at the vacant world title more so than the interim WBC champion in Nana Joshikawa? Well, that's what I understand. Um, what you're saying about Noshikawa, that she is the interim, maybe she should fight uh, Tamora and then um, Melissa McMull. I know Melissa has a hard time getting fights because she's in the U.S. Nobody wants a fighter. She has a hard style. And so she has a very difficult time trying to get fights. But, I mean, she's lost world titles because she didn't get fights. Not because they beat her, but that's but not the reason. But that's not a reason why she should get a. That's not a reason why she should get an immediate title shot. I mean, she needs to find a true, promoter true, and agree. she needs to get active. You know. Yeah, so, she should be so in the Belgium. She should be able to fight the people that fight for it. Yeah, and La Roca Zamora is coming off a win, you know, against a, a, a good, a good opponent, Isabel Millan. So she. she, she before that, she lost to Esmeralda Moreno, like we mentioned, for the light flyweight title. And then she mm-hmm. she came back and scored her win, Isabel Millan. Nana Yoshikawa is actually coming off a win as well, obviously, because she captured the interim WBC title. But I just don't see why Melissa McMorrow would be – nothing to take away from her, obviously. I mean, she's a two-time uh, WBO flyweight champion, but I just don't see yeah. the the logic behind having her fight for a world title. I mean, if if, if if La Roca Zamora and Nana Jessica fight and Roca, whoever wins from that wants to defend against Melissa McMorrow, I'm all for it. But I don't know why Melissa yeah. McMorrow would jump to the front of the line just because, you know, she can't get fights. Yeah, well, that's, that's the way they're, they're doing this. I don't know who's the, the main person behind this. Uh, maybe it's um, Suleiman. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it all depends. It might be, it might be La Roca Zamora's promoter saying that it's quite easier to make a fight against Melissa McMorrow. She's in San Francisco. She gets a quick, a quick flight to San Diego, and then from San Diego crosses the border to Tijuana, and then takes a quick flight to wherever the fight's gonna be. Quite uh, much easier yeah. than, you know, Nana Yoshikawa coming in from Japan and a lot less money, obviously. So we'll see what that happens. If that, which way that goes with that vacant title. Now, another interesting uh, footnote here is it was announced earlier this week that Heather Hardy, the WBC International Featherweight Champion, and Anna Hulaton, who at one time held the, o, the WBO Super Bantamweight title, will be facing each other first in MMA and then in boxing. Yeah. Their MMA fight will be on February 16th at Bellator 194 in Uncaskill, Connecticut, and their boxing match will be later this year under the Dear Bella Entertainment. So quite interesting, David. Um, both of them made the switch from boxing to MMA, probably for the same reason, because they want to get paid more and they can't get fights. Um, we, we heard the story of Heather Hardy here on the show, whereas, um, you know, she, she, she struggled with the new law that was passed in New York as far as uh, yeah. the insurance, making smaller clubs, it was a lot harder to do. And that was her bread and butter where she was selling tickets and doing quite well. But now since that has gone away, she has to feed her family. She has a young daughter. 
and you know she went out for MMA. She's one and one in MMA, and Anna Hulatone, uh quite possibly looking for you know better luck. And even though she has a good record as a boxer in the MMA, she's two and three. Um, you know, just looking for a, a different horizon. Also made a switch to MMA, and now quite interesting. They're going to be facing each other in, in MMA and boxing. Now they faced each other, David, back in no, actually they fought on the same Bellator card. MMA card back in October. Right. They both lost. They both lost their fight, mm-hmm. but the the matchup is still interesting enough for them to face each other uh, next month uh, on the MMA. So th- that's pretty interesting, David. I thought it was ingenious. Whoever thought of it, I was, I was like, wow. That's, yeah, it's pretty. That's it's really thinking out of the box. Yeah, let's see if we can they, get it's Anna. Basically, Anna. like a warm up. It's a warm up for fans. They're like, okay, we'll see him in yeah. MMA. Somebody's going to win, and then we can do boxing where they're really good at. <laughs> yeah, and it'll be quite – I mean, and then let's say – let's so let's say one wins in MMA and, one, and the other one wins in boxing. Where would you where where would you have the rubber match? Maybe you have it in both, one round <laughs> MMA and one round boxing. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know what? Let's try to have Anna on. I'm going to try to see if we can get contact with her team. I have one of their team members on our – uh, on my on my social account, so uh, uh, I'm gonna try to get a hold of our next show of the two minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world is on February 8th, so that will be about a week uh, before a couple, a little bit a little bit more than a week before February 16th fight. So let me see if we could get her on the show, uh, Anna Hulington. We've yeah. had Heather Hardy before, and then uh, and we'll see if we could get her on the show and talk about uh, her upcoming MMA and boxing match. What do you think about that, David? I think it would be great. She's a, she's very, yeah, so, very articulate, too. Yeah, so we'll try to get her to talk. She's been around for a long time. At one point, at, when she was just boxing, she was she was being tutored as a female Manny Pacquiao. She was trained by for a while by uh, Manny, uh, by Freddie Rose out on the wild card gym. So there's some stuff to talk yeah. about with Anna. So we'll see if we can get her on, uh, on our next show. She's February also trained by Nonito What's that? She was also trained by Nonito Donaire. Oh, senior? senior. Or, the, or, the, or the boxer? Yeah. Senior? Okay. All right, so then uh, another, note, another note, David, uh, and this is something that I've been uh, writing about and mentioning here on, on our show since in its, it's, its inception, and it looks like it's finally going to happen, where the Mexican Areli Monsigno from Monterrey, Nuevo Leon, Mexico, will perhaps uh, make history as the first Mexican fighter to capture all four world titles in one division. Mozino at one time or another has held the WBC, the IBF, and the WBA flyweight titles, and now will challenge for the WBO title against champion Monterrey Alarcón somewhere in Mexico on February 17th. So, David, oh. Monterrey Alarcón, we know her story. She's actually a strawweight. She went to... Uh, Japan, and I think she beat Nana Yoshikawa for that title, for the WBO title. Uh, I'm going to double-check that, but I'm almost positive that that's what had happened. And then I think she defended it uh, uh, recently, but it wasn't a world title fight. And the most, the most logical thing was for her to fight um, Areli Monsigno since, that, since, that's the, since that's the title that Monsigno needs to be able to score all world titles at one time or another and Sanford oh, remember, uh, 
What's that? I remember you predicted that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, I, not so much predictive, but I wrote it as a piece of the fights that I wanted to see and that would be somewhat uh, game-changing. But I think that was last year. I thought it would happen in 2017, but it's happening in 2018. And I am right. Uh, I mean, Montserrat Alarcón did go on April 29, 2017 to defeat Nana Yoshikawa by technical decision in Japan. She did defend the title last month in December. No, actually, she did not defend the title. She just had a, an eighth-rounder against Yesenia Martinez-Castrejon, which she won via unanimous decision. And now she will be defending mm-hmm. against Areli Monsigno. So that was a good, a good move by her, uh, her promoter, Sanford, who actually went out and made that fight happen with Montserrat Lacon. I'm sure that Montserrat Lacon is going to be getting a, quite a payday because if you, could, if you could ask for whatever you want, it's in this case right here where the challenger really, really, really wants your title because that's the title that they need to make history. So we'll see what that happens. And lastly, well, not lastly, but our next note, coming back on the same night on February 17th, but in her adopted hometown in Las Vegas, former multi-time champion Ava Knight, We'll see action on the undercard, Danny Garcia against Brandon Reels, although it's on a Mayweather promotion card. And a lot of people jumped the gun, David, on social media and stated that she had signed to Mayweather promotions. Knight confirmed to me personally that she has not officially signed to the promoter, but is looking forward to it. She thinks it's going to happen very, very soon, but she has not officially signed the contract with Mayweather promotion. So that is a uh, uh, little bit of a jumping to a conclusion, but I'm glad to see Ava Knight. But, David, unfortunately, a fight that I caught, that I asked for for 2018 that I wanted to see was Ava Knight and Jessica Kika Chavez. One part of it happened with Ava Knight coming back to boxing, but the other part didn't with Kika Chavez getting pregnant. So, um, I don't think we're going to see that fight in 2018 because even if Kika Chavez comes back later on this year, which I doubt she would because I'm sure once she has the baby, she wants to stay home with, with the baby for a, a little bit. Um, I don't think she's going to be coming back to face an Ava Knight. But, but I have a, another thing I think should be uh, looked into is that will Ava Knight fight at 112? I, I don't think so. I think she's going she to be fight fighting who? at one- 118. Oh, 112? Mm. Well, I, I yeah, try to secure... I don't know uh, if she can uh, 112 uh, anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to see if I can secure an interview. I'm going to try to see if I can secure an interview with Ava. Um, I tried to do it this yeah. last weekend, but uh, due to scheduling conflicts, we weren't able to get together and, and do it. Um, if, you have, if you've been following and subscribing the Two Men Around, you've seen that we've done interviews with... Um, uh, Adelaila Reed, a local fighter from L.A. who is coming up with a very interesting story, who after, um, you know, being an amateur as a teenager and starting her boxing career as an amateur quite early, like at 13, she actually took a 10-year hiatus and had three children, but always felt that she left something on the table, so she decided to come back, and she told us her story in a special two-minute-round face-to-face interview that you can find on the podcast. If you subscribe to the podcast or if you search for it and you go back to a couple of podcasts prior, you'll see that interview with her, which is very interesting, her story of how she came back after 10 years. 
I'm a very good fighter, and I want, I, I'm looking forward to actually mm-hmm. driving up to LA, David, and, and seeing her fight. And then and we have another also exclusive uh, face-to-face interview with Selena Barrios out of, uh, is she from, I think she's from San Antonio. San Antonio. Her brother of Mario, mm-hmm. the sister, yeah, the sister of Mario Barrios, who is the newly crowned NABF uh, lightweight champion with only three fights under her belt. So highly tutored amateur. Uh, so she has a good story as well that you can listen to on an exclusive interview there. And I'll try to do one with Ava where we're going to talk about, you know, what she's been doing since her last fight, uh, which is very interesting, what she has been doing. And then also, uh, you know, what, what the future brings for her. So hopefully I could get her uh, to do it this weekend. Now, David, you had the chance to meet up with our good friend, uh, former WBC silver champion, super featherweight champion, Melissa St. Bill, who kind of gave you an exclusive on what's next for her career. Why don't you share that with us? Uh, yes, uh, Melissa St. Bill will be fighting for the uh, WBC world title against Eva Wallstrom in Finland on March the 9th. Uh, it's her first crack at the world title. Uh, she's had the silver title for a while. And uh, finally, uh, Eva Wallstrom said, yes, let's do it. And uh, uh, contracts are signed. Um, wow. Melissa was in Los Angeles this last week. Uh, she was filming for a movie. They're doing a movie, uh, uh, and they needed a female fighter. And she came in and shot the whole day in Los Angeles. And uh, she she got to bask in the warm, eighty degree weather, and then go back to the twenty degree weather in New York. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. Her and her trainer uh, came down, and um, it, uh, they told me the whole story. And it was it's pretty interesting how they're really uh, up to this fight. Wow. Well, Melissa, thirty four year old Melissa, ten wins, two losses, four draws, only one knockout, but has been quite active uh, since going pro in 2007. Last year, she fought twice. She beat, uh, She actually got a technical draw against Mexican Jessica Gonzalez due to a cut that Gonzalez suffered. Actually, and then Diana Garcia, uh, she beat Diana Garcia via uh, her first knockout, a TKO, in the fifth round in her, in her home country of Haiti. Um, so now she's going to be traveling to Finland, to face Eva Wanstrom, the champion, on March 9th, like you just shared with us. Eva Wanstrom undefeated, 21-0 with one draw, only three knockouts as well, 37 years old. So we'll be, um, you know, waiting to see uh, what happens with that fight. Maybe in, in February, on our, our second show of February, maybe we could have uh, Melissa so she could tell us about her camp and what she's been doing to get ready for that fight. So, that is all we have for female fight set. Are quite interesting everything that's going on, and obviously we'll be talking about all these fights on our next shows coming up. But our upcoming calendar, not a lot happening before our next show, which is slated for February 8th, on um, here on the Two Minute Round every other Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific uh, Standard Time. Uh, David Avila and myself, uh, we speak about female boxing. And um, we try to give it uh, its just due. But on Friday, January 26th, from the Sugar House Casino, actually tomorrow night, David, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, Mr. Evander Holyfield kicks off um, his year as a promoter with Real Deal Boxing, and he will be featuring Callie Reese, the middleweight, against Cindy LeBlanc, a name that we've heard before. She actually faced 
uh, Clarissa Shields in one of her, I think it was her second fight, actually uh, in a six-rounder at 160 pounds. Did she fight? I think she did fight Clarissa, right? Yeah, she also fought Maria, uh, uh, Maricela Cornejo. Maricela Cornejo? Yeah, Sidney LeBlanc. Yeah. yeah, actually, Sidney LeBlanc was um, um, Clarissa Shields' third opponent. They went uh, eight-round unanimous decision uh, with uh, Clarissa, you know, dominating 80-72 three times. Sidney LeBlanc, her record as it stands is four wins, five losses, one draw. She's from Louisiana. No knockouts versus, and she's had... She started out with the draw against Tiffany Woodward, the opponent of Franchon Cruz, uh, just last couple weekends ago. And then she scored four wins in a row, and then she's lost five in a row, David. Maricela Cornejo, Clarissa Shields, Franchon Cruz back in August, Savannah Marshall, uh, the English woman with Mayweather Promotions back in, uh, in um, August of 2017. And then uh, she was going to be – actually, this is a rematch, David. They fought back in October. Callie Reese and um, Sidney LeBlanc lost the United decision. Now they're going to be facing each other again this Friday in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on the uh, Evander Holyfield Real Deal Boxing Fight Card. On Saturday, February 3rd, oh, from Germany, yeah, uh, Sandra Atanasau, uh, versus Liliana Martinez in a 10-rounder for the WBC International featherweight title. And on the same night, but in Mexico, from Atizapan de Zaragoza, Mexico, Promociones del Pueblo, Quizas on Televisa, the main event, as always, whenever uh, two um, elite female fighters fight in Mexico, it usually is the main event on, a, on the terrestrial network, Televisa. Guadalupe Martinez will be defending her 115-pound title against state policewoman Irma La Torbellino Garcia in a scheduled 10-rounder, David. So that that uh, has all the makings of a barn burner because Guadalupe Martinez, quite honestly, she beat, um, in a shocker, she beat um, La Loba, La Loba, La Loba. Munoz. Yep. La Loba Munoz for that. I mean, that was, that was, to, that was to be um, La Loba uh, Munoz's... Um, 10th defense, I believe, of that title, but Guadalupe came in there and just gave it, she won the fight, that's not, that's not, there's no, yeah. there's no uh, doubt about that, but it was a shock that she actually took the fight from, uh, from Solina Munoz, La Loba Munoz, um, she defended it, she did that in May of 2017, she defended it in September of last year against Carlota Santos, and now she'll be facing Irma Garcia, Guadalupe Martinez, 25 years old, 16 wins, nine losses with six knockouts, whereas Irma Garcia, two with one draw, only three knockouts. And she held at one time the international bantamweight title, but now she has gone down to super flyweight to challenge for the WBT flyweight, super flyweight title. David, I would not be surprised, and if I had to choose, I would probably choose the upset and have Irma Garcia uh, walk out of there as a new WPC Super Flyweight Champion. Well, interesting. Where are they fighting? In Pueblo? They're going to be fighting oh, no, in, in, in Zaragoza, uh, Atizapan de Zaragoza, Mexico, and it's going to be televised on okay. Televisa Promociones del Pueblo. I'm sure if you can't catch it live, so there will be a link somewhere on on YouTube. What's that, David? So that's my team in this area, Zaragoza. Ah, okay. So then... 
We have come to the end of the 40th edition of the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. Hopefully next show on February 8th, I'm going to try to secure an interview with Anna Hulaton. And before that, I'm going to try to secure an interview with Ava Knight as a special companion interview. So if you follow us, if you subscribe to the podcast, you'll be able to listen to it there. And obviously we, we put links on Twitter and on Facebook for all those other um, companion interviews. So with that said, David, uh, I bid you good night and thank you for joining us here. On the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. We'll see you next time on February 8th. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.